and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, is the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Sosha. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, back with you, back for another episode of The Coach. As we work on creating this new metal canon, one album at a time, and of course, it's the waning days of August. Which means it is the end of Side Project Summer. Side Project Summer. It's on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Order up. All right. Okay. Well, we've had quite an adventure with the Side Projects this summer. And we're closing it out with, uh, with someone that, you know, he's... He's someone that has been involved in some of the biggest records, most controversial records in the history of new metal. But he's somebody that doesn't necessarily get a lot of shine. And we're talking about Monkey from Corn. Monkey from Corn. And his solo album, Fear and the Nervous System. We're going to talk all about this record tonight. Monkey, yeah, he's somebody like we mention him when we do these corn records, like Monkey's there. But it's like Jonathan's the vocalist. He's got that angst. He's got the story. Then you've got Head over there, conflicted, leaves the band, comes back to the band, finds Jesus, that whole thing. Fieldy, don't get us started. (laughs) Fieldy's dreams. And then you've got, I mean, at least in the original incarnation, you got David. Who's, who's, you know, during the, the primary, poster boy. He's the hot boy. In that underwear ad. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's, and then this monkey. He's got the dreads, but he's, he's quiet. Don't really hear a lot from him. So now we're going to hear a whole lot from him with this record. So let's just dive right in. Jenny, when did this record come out? This album was released on September 18th, 2012. Whoa. Whoa. That's a recenter boy. A recenter boy. I don't even know boy. what I forget what that is. I mean, it's still it's post come down, but uh, it's kind of like the malaise days of new metal. Yeah, it is. I'd say yeah. The um, I mean, it's not quite. That was a good party, but things are starting to starting to ramp up. Um, certainly, starting um, to rally a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your hangover's going away. You hit that goofy, that goofy spot. Oh, that's true. Because yeah, the come down is to post September eleventh, two thousand one to like two thousand ten, and then there's kind of the hangover that lasts in that period, and then like maybe there's a little recollection at this point. I don't know. We haven't really taken the new metal timeline to the future that much. Yeah, I mean, generally we just hop right into you know that. 2013 through present sort of situation where it's like oh, that's a good party that was a good party yeah um so i guess to start off I, I would assume i mean i can say for myself i had no history with this band was not even aware of them until we started doing research for side projects jenny matt any history no no all right so we all went into this pretty fresh um jenny can you tell us on the record who was in fear in the nervous system on the record, we have, of course, James Christian Schaefer, a.k.a. Monkey, on guitars, Steve Kralikowski on vocals, Leopold Ross on guitars, programming, and production, Zach Baird on keyboard, Billy Gould on bass, and Brooks Wackerman on drums. 
There you go. Producers on this record, Tim Harkins and Danny Lohner. And, you know, we don't talk too much about the artwork always on these albums, but the artwork for this record, Jenny, who pitched in? That would be our boy, Wes Borland. West of the art here. I have a physical copy of this album. I got the Mega Digipack, you guys. This thing came with two discs, one disc of instrumentals, plus a very, this ornate artwork. Um, It looks distressed, intentionally distressed. And then we have literally a painting of the, uh, basically a diagram of the inside of a body. Very detailed. Wes really did the work on this. And you might This is like one of my favorite Wes pieces that I've seen. Like, I really love this. It's really great looking. I, this was a big thrift. I got it off of eBay from World of Books for a sweet $8.54. Which, when you consider that as a deluxe digipack with two discs, that's a steal. That's two discs. So many discs. Oh, so many discs. <laughs> <laughs> Show uh, me your discs. Oh, boy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Big round discs. Wow. <laughs> give, me them. give me those discs. Who is this pervert? Wow. Oh, give me them discs. Uh, uh, it's All the, horned uh, up for CDs. <laughs> it's a CD horn dog. No, My no. favorite format. Uh, I love physical media. Uh, <laughs> look, 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 look. Give me that physical. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so Give me that physical. There. Uh, so, for a record in which we had never really heard of, um, there's quite a bit of documentation about this album, all the way up into including a thorough and well-edited 30-minute documentary on the making of this album. Jenny, this documentary, one of the best they we've did seen. It. Yeah, it was it was edited like it was very tight edit. You got all information, no filler. It was great. It was crazy to us when we were texting about this that we're like, we have sat through so many weird, esoteric, filler filled uh, docs, um, bonus features for for big albums, albums with budgets, albums with the, the label behind it. And it was always like those docs or whatever you want to call them were just like last minute. Yeah, sure, whatever. And then the Sphere and the Nervous System one was like lovingly prepared and also was like very aware. Like there is, I would say 90% of it is um, monkey voiceover talking about the making of the record. And he'll be talking and you'll get that pertinent information that you're like, oh, that's interesting. And you can tell that, that he kept going and they just fade them right out just yep that's it that's all we need from that part when you were talking keep it moving keep it moving i was impressed i was never bored i was like wow that's how it's done well done the making of this record this record took many many years to make started recording in 2008 and many iterations i mean this thing was basically it started with just doing jams just doing jams and seeing what would happen different people came in um, Wes Borland was involved in the jam sessions at some point, and you know they liked what he did, but it ultimately didn't make the record. But they um, they still used his art. The other thing that they mentioned was that uh, the big push for this was that uh, Monkey's father had passed away, 
And that was uh, kind of one of the things that kind of pushed him in the direction of working on his own music outside of Korn. But as you watch the doc, I mean, he's working on this thing through like multiple Korn cycles. Like they're working on a record and then he's trying to do something. Then they're working on another record and he's still working on it. But it seems like it was a pretty fruitful session like how'd you make it from that it seemed like very upbeat it seemed like like a like for as long as it took it was never like a drag for him he was just enjoying himself yeah it just seemed like they were kind of vibing the whole time was the impression i got yeah it was it was very interesting to me just sort of how it evolved over time and also that you know in the documentary monkey says you know like i wanted to like be the singer i wanted to do all this and then like as time went on it seemed like the kind of thing that seemed like a great idea when he started he's like yeah i'm gonna be the vocalist on this and then it sounded like he got kind of insecure over time when he started realizing like oh i have to write lyrics and i'm not a great singer and uh so eventually they did get another singer the angel actually facilitated that relationship oh yeah that's right i i love that you i love that you watched this doc and of course i didn't um but that's so wild because i mean that is like a very i have to give it up to monkey to be that self-aware inside of like you know because you start that side project because you're going to be able to get to do those things you never got to do in the band that you're in and then he kind of gets there and he's like yeah i don't you know i do i really want to do this (laughs) maybe not maybe no that's cool yeah, it was uh, it was interesting though that he basically was playing the music for people. They're giving him feedback, and it seemed largely that he was getting he was getting good feedback. Like you know, like things would get I guess like a little too weird. They're like, eh, hey, maybe don't do that. And then like he played the stuff for Jonathan, and Jonathan's like, I dig it. He plays the stuff for Ross, and Ross is like, I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> and and uh, he gets some Steve, and uh, it was but yeah, it was very interesting just to see that yeah, like this. Uh, this thing of just you know a monkey being in charge, but the timing of it is interesting though because this is also the time period in which he is the lone guitarist in Corn, and which I think really I think put more on him, and I think he has said you know that he felt a little adrift in those times because he was used to writing with Head all the time, and now here it was all on him, and it was interesting that even despite that he still was like I got to do my own thing, so I'm wondering if. Maybe when you don't have had to collaborate with and then you have, you know, the added pressures of Jonathan's input, Fieldy's input, that maybe he felt maybe more constrained than he expected because maybe that was more evil, easily, you know, dispersed be- between two guitarists as opposed to one. But, um, yeah, as, uh, as we said, yeah, that's right. Uh, Jenny, we got some genre tags on this record. We sure do. The genre tags are alternative metal new metal and industrial metal ooh la la yeah and daddy's ears perked right up ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh man um so we should mention there were um there is a bonus track on the cd that is not on the streaming but then there's also a different bonus track that was on the japanese cd that's not on the streaming we're just going to go off the streaming whatever was on the streaming that's going to be working with so 
If you're a purist, sorry. That other song is fine. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Oh, in the documentary, Monkey talks about um, a big influence was movies. In particular, the movie Peeping Tom, um, Michael Powell's 1960 film. Uh, which I have heard about, read about in film books and cult movie books for years and years. Um, and it was interesting to see that it was like the first movie he referenced. And I was like, oh, okay. Bit of a movie buff. Okay. All right. I mean, the premise of the movie, very on brand. A man is a serial killer and he's got a knife attached to his camera and he takes pictures of all the women he kills as he's stabbing them. And I was like, there you go. There you go. There you have it. Anything else we want to mention, Jenny, before we dive into this bad boy? I don't think so. I think we should just get in and and let the other little facts trickle out. All righty. All right. The first track is Hell. Ooh, that industrial build-up. We're setting the stage. Distorted strumming. Eerie vibes. Spoopy. Very Very spoopy. Would you say it sounds like hell? (laughs) I thought uh, this particularly was interesting. Gave me a little bit of like a, a sleep vibe. A little bit. Ooh. 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 This gives me that Bauhaus vibe. Yeah, I could see you listening to this hanging upside down somewhere. All right, I'm pulling it because it just seems that it's uh, it's it just seems like that's pretty much the song. It's going to roll right into the next one in a second. So. It is. It is. It's just setting the stage, setting a tone. And uh, Jenny, when you first heard this, I mean, did, did you did this get did this get you amped? Did this get you worried? How did you feel? I was excited because I like this sort of slower, atmospheric, doomy situation. Uh, I was into it. I was very surprised, but I was like, "Okay, monkey, I'm here with you." How did you feel? I felt the same. I said, okay, we're definitely going for something very dark and very creepy, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. Matt? I love this. This is right down my lane. This is, like, got the industrial-esque sounds, atmospheric, total vibe, start your night drive off right, doom, gloom, get get a little bit of lightning on the horizon, this is working for me. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Let's keep it going. Up next, we've got Choking Victim.
you're sitting there and you need a vocalist. And Ross goes, I know a guy. <laughs> oh, oh me? I know a guy. I know a guy. And then this dude rolls in. My Lord. This guy, I was just like, oh, wow. This Where, where is this guy from? He's from this band called Repeater. And let me tell you, they you get to see in the dock. This is another thing that's really cool. You get to see him in the dock first time he goes into the booth. And they're just playing it, and he's just vibing and just making noises where vocals will go, like creating a guide track for himself. And it was very interesting to see just that part of the creative process, how that's how that's made and how it's done. And uh, but it is interesting that he was basically just creating, like he without even the vocal, without even words, just with noises. And humming, basically, or whatever you want to call it. And he still is, has this, like, you can feel this passion, this energy. And you're like, yeah, this is Ross's guy. <laughs> like, this is his dude. Jenny, how'd you feel about it? Uh, I liked it a lot. I was thinking, though, that does this not sound a lot like solo JD? I was going to say... I was going to say yes. I thought the vocals were in this weird place where it's almost JD but the thing about solo JD though is that there's a bit more swing atmospheric and this is much more pained in a way that I wouldn't associate with solo JD do I associate (laughs) with like corn JD yes but then musically I was in a more of like this this guitar on here gives me like huge like Caius Stoner vibes, or like mm-hmm. Torch, uh, Torch, or is it Torche? However you say it, um, Torch. Torch. Is it just Torch? Okay. You can add a little something okay. to it Torche. if you want. To. Listen, <laughs> Torche. 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 There we go. Torche. Yeah, Torche. Torche. Um, but yeah, it has that. Um, and also, it's like when you get into that chorus, it it doesn't feel as tight as something that I think made. By like corn or something like that would be like it feels a little bit more like a build up to just like oh and now it but it but at the same time though that chorus does feel anthemic in a way that I did not expect going into this album. Something strange happened to me during this song because following the first track I was expecting this to be a touch darker, you know, and then it kind of starts and it's like a rocker um, definitely has that vibe and then he comes in and it does very much feel like a Jonathan Davis esque vocal. And the writing style of Monkey still is in, on this song, a corn lane. It's adjacent. It is not a corn song, but it's like very, you know, like, you know what I'm trying to say yeah. here. It's like, mm-hmm. duh, he's the guitarist for corn. So he kind of has a style in which he writes in, even though he's doing other. But then it gets to that chorus, and overwhelmingly, I'm hearing the influences of metal from the 80s. Not like hair metal, but like good old fashioned fucking metal. Iron Maiden. With yeah, like just a triumphant big, but not pop, not alt metal chorus is what I'm feeling. Now, granted, my history of metal is about as deep as a thimble, but like it just gave me those like anthem vibes, like. Not that it's an equal to run to the hills, but it kind of has that like a good swell to it. I was I was really digging it. 
I can definitely feel that. Um, this is the uh, this was the single, and it had a music video. And uh, Jenny, why don't you walk us through this music video? This video, uh, essentially, again, like when we're talking about like reflections of corn, this seems to be a situation where as a child uh, is being exposed to abuse. Um, and then that child then grows up to be a murderer. And it's a lot of like very of the time spooky imagery. Lauren, you described it as echoes of Donnie Darko. And I would very much agree with you, even though, yeah, Donnie Darko was quite a bit before that. But think of what Donnie Darko vibes would have felt like in like 2011 ish. Yeah, he kills a woman at the end. I I wasn't totally clear on who that was, Lauren. You thought it might be the sister, but yeah, the vibe I got was that it was he was he saw his mother being like attacked and abused, and then that pushed him to like then kill his sister was the thing, and then he basically grows up to be some sort of Michael Myers esque person, except he dresses like a member of Slipknot, and then he like attacks a woman in the street and kills her. Um, all while intercut with the band underneath the floorboards of the house, all of them basically looking dead except for the lead singer, which I got to tell you, you, you know, they don't really talk to him in the doc, Steve, but you know, you're, uh, you're in a band, you're in a band with one of the members of Corn. This could be like a real big break for you. We're going to make a video okay cool am i gonna get to be like on stage with my mic stand kind of strutting around maybe show what i am as a front man no you're gonna be underneath a house in dirt you're basically gonna be sort of dead so you can't really move your body just your head <laughs> do what you can and he does what he can but it is it's a weird one um uh yeah and it was you know once i saw this like slipknot looking dude killing a bunch of women i was like all right fair enough and then you go in and he's like i was inspired by the peeping tom serial killer movie from the 60s i was like okay fair enough that's fine one of the great enduring traditions <laughs> killing women yeah i was like there, there it is, is. There it was is. old as time there there i is. mean truly truly but you know i liked the song yeah i uh I wrote in my notes in one of those like Lauren figure it out buddy you're all you're so close I'd written and I did these notes pretty late so maybe you know I was I was maybe ready to go to bed I wrote is this song about a person being hung and I'm like the song's called choking victim you stupid idiot you never know you never know you never know all right up next we've got chosen ones
Jenny, thoughts on chosen ones? Uh, sounded a lot like choking victim to me, but I liked it. It's definitely giving me spoopy boy vibes. A lot of, I mean, which makes sense because in reading about this album, a lot of it was based on different horror movies uh, and, and inspired by that atmosphere. So that came through, but I like it. I feel like it sounded a lot like choking victim, but not so much that I felt like I was necessarily getting too much sameness, but more that this was the vibe that the band was going for. Uh, so I was into it. What do you think? You know, I wrote in my notes that it's very corny with a K and it's pretty cool. The drum sound, I was not really sure I was totally on board for at this point in the album. It was like a little weird to me, but I also thought it was still pretty hot. And it, it was something though, where you notice this is what monkey brings to corn. And when you take it out and you replace vocals, drummer, bassist, you realize, oh, like what those other guys, like what the alchemy is with Corn, And it was just interesting to be sort of like parse it out of like, now I can go back to like Corn songs and be like, oh, here's the monkey part, you know, more clearly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I will say that this is, uh, this is a headphone record. I did a three. I did my Christgau challenge on this. Uh, for those that don't remember, that's listening um, in your car, listening while you're doing something, activity, physical activity on headphones, listening in a third scenario, some kind. Um, and this worked best on headphones. This was actually an incredibly boring car listen. All nuances lost in the car. Like I was just like, what's going on here? And then I put headphones on. It was like a completely different album. It's nuts how that works. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought this one pretty hot and lyrically I was like, is this about, you know, like the past about, you know, I mean, we're talking about chosen ones, my sons, a majesty of war raised on betrayal. She launched all my horses. I'm like, is this about, you know, some historical figure? Is this some game of Thrones shit? Like what's going on here? Matt, what'd you think of chosen ones? Um, a, very similar to Choking Victim in its style and presentation. I dug it. Um, I've, yeah, sequencing, it's kind of like they could have flipped Choking Victim in this. Like, there isn't a humongous difference in the two. Like the atmosphere, like what they're going for, but uh, track four, I think, is going to change things up. And if it doesn't, I'm shocked. All right. Let's keep it going. All right. Up next, we've got No Secrets.
So this is when the record takes an interesting turn because now I'm like, okay, we've got a little bit of a new metal chug in the verses, but that chorus takes me straight up to early 2000s Brit rock, Brit pop stuff, you know, your the horrors stuff after they, you know, um, I, uh, Star Sailor, things like that, took me right there. Placebo, I'm hearing all that sort of sound in there. That tearing me apart line, holding that. I mean, that's that is not new, baby. That's a whole different thing. And I was into it. I was like, okay, let's let's uh, let's let's uh, try get things a little interesting. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Jenny, agreed. Um, I thought that this was very much in the alternative metal zone. No new for me here. Uh, but I liked it. It was something a little different. Chilled out a bit. I'm here for it. Matt? Like this one. Um, yeah, definitely. You cannot unhear the corn vibes. There are corn vibe. It's the freaking guitars from corn, of course. Like, it would. It, it's like when... <laughs> It's like when Stephen King writes another book, it's like he still has way too much detail in there. It's like, ah, that's Stephen King. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still monkey. It's still there. The singer has a Jonathan Jonathan David-esque style about him. But I love the vibe. The vibe is strong. And the song is good. I'm glad that they changed pace. Take me to Chinatown. <laughs> I mean, the thing that was interesting is that I was like, it, it, it was almost like, and to borrow off of what you said earlier, Jenny, about the sort of Donnie Darko vibes, like I'm thinking about like the, you know, the British rock records that are on that soundtrack, you know, Under the Killing Moon, this Echo and the Bunnyman sort of thing. And I'm like, like, I'm thinking like, are we getting like a heavier Echo and the Bunnyman? Is that where we're going to go with this? Like, that'd be crazy. That'd be kind of interesting. I mean, I did listen to this and I was just like, this wouldn't, you're not going to get something like this in corn. Like this feels a hundred percent this whole vibe. Um, so yeah, that was that was it. And Matt, I mean, you said it best. Let's just get to that next track, baby. All right, up next, Chinatown. A distant craving in a Pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go right back to really sound a lot like corn. <laughs> it's okay. How this to it? Yeah, got me. That one got me. All right, all right. I'm ready. Unpause. So it grows. My weeping valley, clear as evening air. We'll never
Oh, man. This one for me was like all over the place. Um, I think for one, I was getting the whiplash. Because th- every song would sort of set me up. I'm like, okay, well, this next one, well, you know, we, I've been out in this vibe of like, ooh, like a heavier, heavier under the, you know, under the moon tonight type of song. And then it's like, no, no, no. Here's like a corn type of JD sounding song. But then in the middle when it speeds up, it reminds me of like mid era cave-in records. And I was like, and then when you go back to the dock and you're just like, we jammed and we put pieces of the jams all together. It totally makes sense why these songs sound like that. Like, and, and I kind of, I mean, for cohesion, maybe it's not the best choice, but if you're, making your own record and you're like i want this one cool thing i made to go with this other cool thing and i'll make figure out how to make it work then it totally makes sense as a decision um so i i think i like the cave-in stuff more than the pseudo corn type of stuff but it was all right jenny yeah i agree with you this song was interesting for me i wrote down and this is the only thing i wrote down so one note one note's all you need one with Jenny. note it said one. nightmare before christmas stuff going on here <laughs> <laughs> the little i don't the little like ding dong boys <laughs> toward the end of the song gave me real nightmare before christmas vibes but um i don't know i'm still along for the ride at this point nothing is really like uh necessarily I don't know. I'm not like loving it, but I'm also not mad at it at this point. Yeah. M- Matt? It certainly is a vibe. And I dig it. My question would be would I return to it? That's the part I don't know yet. You know, like there isn't, we've been doing this long enough that there's stuff that instantly hits your ears and you're like, I will forget this immediately. Starting to get a little bit of that from this record, where it's like, if I kind of want it, I'm probably going to go put on a corn record. Like, there hasn't been that big differentiator yet. I know what you mean, Matt. And the funny thing is that lyrically, I'm. It, it's it's like this guy definitely put in the work. These are not your standard you know new metal rock lyrics packed with cliche packed with you know suffocation lines and stuff like that i mean listen to this run here it's still my party and i'll still break you into two where you became my sweetheart darling angel of my fever dreams please don't see me as a hunter you were cast here for comfort to keep her always by your side A pinhole flickers for a moment, last sign of direction in worlds of your despair. What? Hey. (laughs) That dude is painting a picture. Angel of my fever dreams? Come on now. Steve came through. Steve came through, 100%. (laughs) If you you saw him in the booth, just going, just, just making onomatopoeias and babbling just creating stuff i mean that it you know and then he sat down and he's like oh i got something hot for you angel my fever dreams baby angel of my fever dreams in my fever dreams i see that town silent hill (laughs) 
Like, uh, all right, Steve. Uh, all right, Steve. Yeah, just uh, do you want to take that for everybody funny? for everybody who's like, it's restless dreams. I know. I know. Listen, I watched Silent Hill for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know. <laughs> that movie was a mess. No, the, uh, that, it's a line from uh, Silent Hill 2 in the trailer and in the game. Um, the lead character's wife says, in my restless dreams, I see that town, Silent Hill. I mean, no. un- I, listen, I can confirm. Once you go there, you're not going to forget it. That is true. Unforgettable town, you know, dude at the big pyramid head. Jenny, you a big Silent Hill fan? I have no idea what the fuck you guys are talking about. <laughs> but I'm intrigued. I'd like to hear more. <laughs> well, it's a it's a video game first. I believe it was like a post-Resident Evil situation, Matt. Does that sound yes. right? And then they made it into a movie. And, you know, video game movies, always a fraught affair. But I had heard through the grapevine, you got to check out Silent Hill. It's bananas. And I would say it's banana. I don't know if I'd go of it multiple bananas. But it has a scene in which there's this gonging noise happening. And everybody starts running. And they're like, you got to get in. Because Pyramid Head guy's coming. And this lady doesn't get in. Oh, no. And uh, Pyramid <laughs> Head, sound good. Uh, he, uh, he rips all the skin off her body and throws it against the door. Like, mm. that's what you get. <laughs> and and uh yeah it's um it's a trip uh i i mean you know it's it was 2006 the cgi is sometimes good sometimes bad um it does have quite an ending with a bunch of people getting skewered with barbed wire for a long period of time like it just keeps going you're just like okay everybody's gonna get a little bit of the barb all right i you know i'll add it to my watch list it's, I watched it on the finest of streaming sites, Tubi. Oh yeah, um, which <laughs> made Tubi. Oh, huge Tubi. Tubi yeah, I love so Tubi because uh, whenever I watch a movie um, on Netflix or Hulu or something, I'm always like, you know what? Could we cut this up into like seven segments with like Geico commercials just at various moments, irregardless of where the scene is going dramatically? And that's what Tubi gives me every time. And, and Tubi guarantees interruption of plot and flow. Oh, yeah. It's just like, boom, baby. Here you go. <laughs> it's get some, jarring. Get some, this get would s- be the scene. I needed to tell you this secret. Your mother is, yeah, and if you need car insurance, there's only one place to get it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know what, though? There was one time I watched a movie on Tubi. This is the end of the Tubi diversion, I promise. Everybody's get back to the record. Um... I watched a Steven Seagal movie on Tubi, and something happened. It showed me the whole movie uninterrupted. It was like they were like, we can't stop it. We're giving you the whole Seagal. Once this train leaves the station, Mm -hmm. this is my final thought on Silent Hill, the movie. Oh, yeah. It's super convoluted because it tries to take elements of Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill 2 and put them together. And thematically, although both games take place in Silent Hill, are so not the same game or even like there's so much differences between the two like the first one's about a father trying to find his daughter in this lost town that has a curse on it basically and the second one is a psychological thriller about a man looking for his wife who got sick in the town of silent hill and keeps having hallucinations 
it the pyramid head doesn't even appear until silent hill 2 but they just threw it into the silent hill movie they just try to stir it all in the soup and it's chaos it it's is a fine film, but it's pure chaos. It is pure chaos. Also, I will mention that it was one of those things where like certain things would happen and I go, the only reason this person looks like this, talks like this, is must be because it's just like that in the game. The woman yep. who shows up as the cop and she's wearing like the tightest police officer outfit I've ever seen. I'm like, she must have had an incredibly tight outfit in the video game. There's no reason why her she's dressed like this. <laughs> the yep. whole movie. Fan service. Uh, yeah, totally. You know, those fans are like um, excuse me. Excuse me. I this need, is a Konami game. I need, I need to see dem titties. I need it to be tight as hell. <laughs> That's that sounds like fans to me. <laughs> fans That's why demand. I always do all of these shows in a speedo. Oh, thank oh, yeah. you, Matt, for appealing to the fans. Nutcam. Nutcam. That's what the fans want. Yeah. That's what the fans want. I need scrote silhouette, baby. Yeah, like I said, we're working on Patreon bonuses. You're going to love it. You're going to love it, baby. (laughs) That stream. Yeah, you can listen to the podcast, but it's just going to be a stream of nuts the whole time. Nuts. Look, no bad ideas, right? Right? (laughs) Shots on goal. That's right, baby. It's a different demographic, maybe, than Mm. (laughs) people normally listening, but, you know, fuck it. We just want to up our perv count. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, get the perv dollars, baby. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Well... Let's keep if going. If you bought panties through eBay, you're our target market now. That's exactly right. You get the underwear Matt was wearing when we recorded this episode. No, 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 nut cam. Nut cam. All right. Up next, we've got beautiful side. got some crunchy guitar we've got more of that wailing vocal that we've come to expect we're getting in this song i'm hearing shades of jd i'm hearing shades of cedric from at the drive-in um but i'm also noticing how uncorn a lot of it sounds because i'm listening to this and i was like this bass on here this ain't fieldy bass 
You get Fieldy on this, totally different situation. This one, once again, feels very stitched together from a lot of different ideas that feel that uh that Monkey thought was cool. Um I was alright. I mean, we're going for it. It's trying something on uh on my headphone listen. I was interested, so I wasn't bored. Jenny? Uh yeah, same. At this point, I'm starting to feel like I got it. We got a lot of the same type of stuff going on here, but it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a, that's a comment that this is why people don't invite me on their podcast. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> and I want you to know up. that I, I know that. I know that. <laughs> still burning you up. <laughs> oh, she's still hot about that, baby. I'm not hot about it. I'm I'm now at the self-reflection stage. <laughs> like, why? Is it because you're always just like, it's fine. I don't know. I guess it's okay. <laughs> Moving through my stages. <laughs> <laughs> stages of podcast rejection grief. That's Matt. exactly right. Hey, let's talk about this. Sequencing in the album, I feel like this should have been the second track. Mm. I feel coming I feel like this has a more tonally matching vibe after that introduction. I feel like it introduces the band a little bit better. You put this as track two and then choking victim is track three. I feel like it pushes the album out a little bit better. But maybe that's just me. Interesting, interesting. Lyrically, once again. I'm just going to point out a couple here. The glassy life fades into the sunrise, or fades with the sunrise. How was I this time? Did it feel all right? Will my face appear in your mirror tonight? So I listened to something like that, and I'm like, are we talking about... Candyman? (laughs) Wow, Matt, you really took it really there. (laughs) I was thinking less killer, more situation of like, you getting blitzed on whatever your poison is baby a little drinky drink maybe a little smoky smoke i don't know and things get a little glassy a little blurry you have a hookup the next day you're like you know the, the sunrise comes up you're starting to sober up a little bit like all right was that cool was that not cool you gonna think of me or am i like a one and done dude that seems to be the vibe there but then the next lyric is trash polished to perfection. The corpse walks inside the bag. Feel this rotten wrinkle. Whoa. Okay. So then we're in total Candyman vibes. Like, I don't, like things now have That's taken a I'm turn. That's what I'm saying. They've taken a turn. But for one second there, I'm just like, oh, we're just talking about just like a, a wild night. Is it a one-time fling, one-time stand? But then, yeah, but then it's like, hold on, there's a corpse and walking in a bag. Things have taken a twist. Yeah. That is a truly wild night. When the corpses start walking, you know, that's when you know you've really done it. You've done it. You're like, listen, um, I got to get my keys. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> it's been I fun. also, yeah, I also like that you called it a one-time stand. And I hope <laughs> that, was, that that is. That's I hope what's that called, right? Stays, <laughs> a I one-time hope stand. One time stand? A one time stand, right? Right? Yeah. Keep <laughs> or, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> uh, a one and done? I just want you to call it a one time stand. A one time stand. <laughs> this was a one time stand that I want you to know. <laughs> like, what? I'm going to... I know that you're here with me in the evening. Some might even be calling it the night. 
but I wanted you to know that this is a one-time stand. This is a one-time stand. Never happened. A one-night stand? Not familiar with the terminology. Unfamiliar. <laughs> we'll have to research further. There's nothing wrong with one-time stand. I uh, mean, that would, theoretically, you could stand with somebody <laughs> several times and it could be a one-time stand. A one-time stand. I think that level of transparency is very helpful in a relationship or a non-relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's the truth of the situation. This is a one-time stand. Are you in? You out. You're out. See you later. One-time stand. <laughs> one-time stand. I mean, and then they're going to say to you back, I believe this is a one-time stand because I know what that is and it's a common thing everyone says. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's how yeah. I see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, perfect. All right. All right. Up next, we've got triggers. Yeah, this one's a little too busy for me. It has a lot of lyrics, and it just seems to just keep going and going and going. Big trip to Tool Town here. That's what I got from this one. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. Jenny? I would agree. (laughs) This was very... Matt was doing a lot of snake arms, Big snake arms, big snake arms. This one I thought was one of the tracks that to me seemed most obvious that they just kind of improvised a whole bunch and put some stuff together. Um, This felt very much like a jam to me, just like a letting it, letting the vibes flow jam. Not my fave, but I could see how this might be a fun one based on, like for them, based on the where this album was coming from yeah this definitely feels like a for them type of song this is on here because they had a great time making this one and they let they let steve go wild with lyrics here man i mean he is just just 
feeling whatever. I mean, like straight shot to the underworld, half derailed, twisted juggernaut, just one passenger, hell's biggest client. Come on. Guy was on a roll. They're going to tell that guy to stop? Stop writing these wild lyrics? They're not going to tell him to stop. No way. No how. Matt. Wow. Lot happening in this song. Um, Some verses, you hear them and you're like, yeah, let's keep going there. Unfortunately, during this one, I was like, yeah, pump the brakes a little. <laughs> Very verse heavy. A lot of stuff on your mind. A lot of stuff on your mind. Unfortunately, all kind of sounds like walking down a darkened hallway. A beast at the field enters the fray. A human head on a lance, and there's dogs everywhere. Woof, woof. Not into it, guys. <laughs> I'm not will, into it. Matt, I will say, though, what you just gave us right now. I'm going to need you to set that to some music. That sounds like a winner right there. I mean, a tangerine peeled by orphans, a single tear from a single mom. Like, <laughs> whoa, mm. Matt, now it sounds to me like you're making something that's important to what's happening to people today. I mean, always relevant. Always Matt relevant. Pe- I mean, people are going to read into those lyrics for years. Single tear from a single a mother. Teaching cooking. <laughs> hey, man, gig economy. These sorcerers can't just sorcer. They got to get a second job <laughs> teaching on the side. economy of sorcerers. <laughs> hey, man. I cast spells and I also teach bowling. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Also, teaching bowling. I feel like that's one of those ones where I feel like, honestly, bowling feels like comedy to me. Like, either you're funny or you're not, you can bowl or not. You know what I mean? Like, either you know or you don't. You can either keep your arms straight or you're always hooking it. Hmm. Listen, it's just the way, the way I feel. You watch, you go to bowling alleys and you just, there's one person there and you're just like, you can see them putting all their, they've been thinking about it. They might even have their own ball and it ain't happening because it's just not the way it works, baby. It's not the way it works. It's nuts. You approach the line with confidence that you're not going to go over it, or do you get real close and then do a hundred little tiny steps? You get scared because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> I am listen. I have built the tiny little steps into my repertoire. That's the only way I can do it. I walk up, stride, 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 but I got these big tall strides, and then I'm like, tip, 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 tip. Don't go over the line. Yeah, that's me too. I go up there and think you're going to do so great. Then I'm like, oh, God, no, no, no. You don't know That's go. it. Roach coach bowling. <laughs> it's going to happen. All the right. three of us, one bowling alley. You're invited. <laughs> We're putting up the call. Unfortunately, you have to be close to Sterling Heights, I guess. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 There's Head a lot over of to five star, stuff baby. we got to figure out for that. But one day. One day. Team fries. Boom. There it's exciting. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Let's Up keep next, going. we've got Dissolve.
if you're gonna if you're gonna rip off tool this is how it's done this is my kind of tool town right here that good crunch on there i'd actually say that the chorus is a bit more of a perfect circle vibe than a tool vibe but really just all merging it together it's six minutes but i enjoyed myself with this one i thought this one was pretty good jenny yeah, I liked this one. I had like a little bit of like a, a marchy situation going on. I was into it. I agree. If you're going to go to Tool Town, maybe this is the, the store you stop in or wherever we are in the town. Matt, what do you think? I mean, I was making bass faces. I was bobbing my head. Um, yeah, I like this one. I, I, it certainly sets a mood. It certainly sets a mood. I really... I'm really enjoying it. Didn't enjoy the last one, but I really enjoy this one. But six minutes to me sounds like a marathon. I'm hoping that there's a change up about the three minute mark or something that takes it in another direction. Um, I, do, I believe it stays pretty consistent. I don't think there's too much wildness on here on this track. I know it wasn't, it didn't feel like a slog on my okay. listen. I will say this was the one that on headphones definitely appreciate it the most you hear all the nuance on headphones it all gets lost other ways and i believe actually now that i'm remembering it because it's been about a week since i watched the doc um jenny i think even i think uh monkey says in the doc that he kind of always envisioned this as kind of a headphones record um it's been about a week or two since i've watched the doc as well i don't remember but i believe you thank you yeah i'm pretty sure he says that go ahead watch the doc. here's the thing i'm wrecking the doc it's a good doc well edited well put together. Check it out. Fact check me. Are you ready for the next one? Oh, yeah. Big time. Up next, we've got Jaguar. This is the one, I think, more than maybe any other song on the album where I was like, this could be a JD solo song. The hand drums up top, everything about it just felt like, yeah, this could be, this This more than anything sounds like it could be a Jonathan Davis solo track, which was always, honestly, one of the weirder things that I did not expect from this album was that he would get a vocalist who sounds that much like JD so much of the time. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I wrote in my notes. Hell yes. 
Yeah, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, but I was definitely in the same boat as you, Lauren, where I was just like, you know, you're in a band with Jonathan Davis. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know the singer came much later and came at the the recommendation of Ross after hearing like what Monkey was going for. But it is just a weird choice for a side project. And like if the vibe that you want to have is so close to the vibe that Jonathan also wants to have, like it's like, you know, you you guys um could do that. I mean, I, I don't know, it's just interesting to me. I mean, maybe you know what? I mean, maybe this is a situation of just, you know, sometimes you just want to work with different people. Um, but at the same time, you do this circular way of just coming back around to doing the thing you were always doing. I mean, because this is the only Fear in the Nervous System record. They thought that it might be turned into something more. They were only able to do very little touring for it and ended up shuttering the band in 2014. I will say that this is something I was very surprised to find in the wiki. In September of 2012, Fred Durst was interviewed on the topic of his favorite new bands of 2012. And he expressed great enthusiasm and kind words for Fear and the Nervous System and said they were a pretty dope band that he really enjoys and is crossing his fingers that a tour with Limp Biscuit, Corn, Deftones, Fear and the Nervous System, Blacklight Burns, and Hollywood and Dead would happen. Durst continued saying it would be the tour of the century. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> My God. That is true. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that was the situation of just, you know, you're you're working on things. I'm going to do my own thing. And then there you are at the end of the day, and you made the thing, and you realize, well, it's pretty close to what I had been doing. And then you just got to go back home. Well, there you go. Yeah. And home he went. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we've got slow motion. track 10 and my man steve has not stopped with these vivid lyrics which once again um <laughs> i'm pretty sure this is a song from the point of view of a serial killer <laughs> it does seem that way it does <laughs> seem that way uh you know 
you can mistake him for a madman. Everything around me seems to move, seems to move in slow motion. Did I leave this one too much alive? Do I want to remember? And did she scratch out my name as she died? Ah, mm. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Listen, 2001, 1998, 2012. You were wild. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It doesn't matter what year it is. Um, there, there's, there's, The killers are out there, baby. Stay safe. That's Stay true. It's true. Say a prayer. Stay yeah. safe. Yeah. Um, Jenny, how'd you feel about slow motion? I actually really liked the song a lot. This might have been my favorite track on the record, actually. Um, because we all know the songs I like the most are the worst of women because I have a lot of internalized misogyny. <laughs> Dealing uh, with it. Dealing, Dealing with, with it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will Jenny's, say yeah. I uh-huh. put on a record like a week ago when I was rowing that I used to listen to a lot. That I remember at the time being like, ooh, I don't know about this. And I put it on and it was about three pulls in. I was like, whoa, nope, nope, can't do this. So there has been some progress. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I liked this one a lot. It did remind it, it reminded me a lot of choking victim in a way. Um, but I don't know. I like this one quite a bit. Matt, what do you think? You know, I've been I, I've been up and down with this band. I've been I like this. You know, I do like this. I just don't know about its staying power. I don't know how this, how much this stays in my rotation. But thematically dark, musically interesting, but not enough special sauce yet. You know, and I don't know what it is, but there's something that's just like, why didn't this go over more? Because like... All the ingredients are there. I don't know. Maybe it's me. No, I, I think you're right, Matt. I think, honestly, I think the reason it didn't go over more is that it had this weirdly long gestational period. This thing was worked on and then almost finished by 2010. And then, basically, he was like, I can't do the vocals. I'm not, I mean, the quote in the wiki is, I am bad at singing. So, I <laughs> oh, mean, wow. you know, real recognize real. And uh, and there is a, they're over on the still running, but slightly dead Fear in the Nervous System website. They have uh, a nice little biography from October 24, 2011, in which they say that uh, basically the, the record was done, but it had no vocals. And with the sonic framework built, the beast lay dormant for almost two years and it was while they were recording Corn 3, Remember Who You Are in 2010, that Ross, uh, he played Ross some stuff, and Ross was like, I got a guy for you. And uh, he called him that day, and an hour later, he was in the booth. Talk about Ross asked, Ross answered. Hey, can I play something real quick? I need a vocalist. Give me an hour. I'm going to have him in the booth. That's wild. There we go. That's a good turnaround time. That's incredible turnaround time. Oh, I should also mention that along with being very influenced by Michael Powell's Peeping Tom from 1960, Monkey also a very big David Lynch fan. Checks out. Checks out. Checks out. 
All right, up next we've got Last Dive. Last dive. Here we are. Late in the record. These guys are still rocking. They're still going for it. They haven't let up yet. And is this last dive in front of a bullet? Jenny. Ooh, could be. I wondered if it was the creature from the Black Lagoon. Making one last dive, baby. (laughs) One last dive. I don't know. I was just thinking about those old movies, you know? Oh, that's right. The You know, Peter Black Lagoon. Maybe he's he's been trying to get this woman back in the water. You know, everyone's shooting at him. Takes takes a bullet. And he's like, I guess I'm going on my last dive. There he goes. Almost poetic. Almost poetic. Matt. I feel like the plane is starting to get ready for the descent. Coming into the tarmac. One last little hit. Feeling good. Feeling good. Matt, could you quickly frame that around Creature of the Black Lagoon? <laughs> um, you're by the dock. There it you is. You see some bubbles. Oh. A hand comes up. You notice that it's webbed and it's waving. Come on in. There you go. Back there it me. is. Oh, Matt, you're the best. All right. <laughs> Jenny sets it up. I knock it down. But before... <laughs> Before we go into the next song, I got to know how respectful of our time is this album. So since we are doing the version that is on streaming, I'll give you that uh, that amount of time. And that would be 49 minutes and 32 seconds. 49 minutes and 32 seconds. Actually, it's pretty good. That's pretty respectful. Yes, it is. Yeah, not bad. I it, I never felt like this album was like dragging or anything when I listened to it. Just... Bopped right along. All right. Up next, this is the last track on just the normal CD. Uh, We will have one more track after this, but uh, it's called Ambien. very dreamy closer with strings it's weirdly mixed so the vocals are kind of just in there with everything else so it's more of like a texture than like the main focus of the song this feels this is easily the most experimental thing on the record um i didn't love it but it kind of made sense as the natural closer of something like this and especially if you know the the origins of the record it kind of makes sense um 
you really wanted to stretch, I could see somebody trying to equate it to maybe a David Lynch type of sound of weirdness. It was all right. Jenny? Yeah, I liked this a lot. Um, I thought it was a perfect, it would have been a perfect ending, uh, but streaming at one more song. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool and atmospheric and different. So I liked it. I liked it. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I I like things like that anyway. I was wondering if it was going to drop into anything, but if it's kind of that ethereal vibe, then it's a nice little exhale. There you have it. So if you have the normal, normal ass CD version, that's how it would end. But if but you're on streaming, if you're on streaming, this is how it would end <laughs> with a song called Silvertone. gonna be honest i fucking love this well matt matt when you're making your solo record all right you're like i have all these influences also i love nine inch nails (laughs) well i i dig that and uh, let's let's keep going you didn't hear that's my stance i fucking love that okay jenny silvertone i like it a lot I thought it was interesting. Like, I kind of wish that this record had gone into more of this area. Like, the last couple songs were really interesting and different. And uh, I I was really into that. And I sort of wish that it it went more in that direction than the direction that it did ultimately go in. Yeah, it was interesting to hear this one as the last one. Because I was like, oh, wait, is this the same album? This is still what we're doing? And it it was weird that it was like was this was another idea how much of this did you guys work on because based on everything it sounds like they had jams on top of jams they had multiple songs they did with Wes didn't make the record and when you watch the doc there's multiple songs that they they heard playing in the doc that don't make the record so just the amount of this stuff you know the decision of I mean this ultimately ends up being like a bonus track not even on like the normal versions I mean it does make you wonder like what what could have been for a second fear in the nervous system record if you were to go that way um who knows but interesting way to go out does does leave you honestly with more questions and answers but uh but that's the record fear in the nervous system by fear in the nervous system and uh since this is our final side project summer record is now time to talk about whether it is ego or essential essential. um (laughs) jenny we'll start with you i think i would put this one more it feels weird to call it ego in this case because it doesn't actually feel egotistical to me but based on how we're the the buckets that we have to choose from i think this would go more into ego i I didn't really feel like 
I heard anything that was, you know, novel, new, essential necessarily. But I, on the other hand, I do think that for Monkey, this album gave him a little bit of space and a little bit of agency and he got to make a record the way that he wanted to. And I think that's really cool, but I don't feel like this is essential necessarily. It's solid, but I'm just not, I'm just not so sure. That's where I land. Lauren, what did you think? You know what? I was thinking the same thing. And I think this is a rare case where I would say it's an ego record, but in a good way. Like, this is feeding the ego in a positive direction. When you watch the doc, you see him being in charge, confidently in charge, and just enjoying himself in the recording process, but being like, I'm the guy who's running the show, and I'm feeling good about it. And I will say, while the record doesn't feel like it has anything that I would say is like an essential, you gotta listen to it type stuff, there is, there are no... Dinkers on this record, there's nothing where I was like, huge mistake. You know what I mean? This is not a Fieldy's Dream situation. Mm. And also, Fieldy's Dream. <laughs> once again, the self awareness to go, I am not a singer. I am not the person who should be doing this. And uh, and to know that, you know, and, to, and the thing is that his choice of collaborators, I'm going to work with guys from Faith No More. I'm going to consult with Ross. I'm going to consult with Wes. Um, that's the other thing they talk about on the doc is that he watched Wes do the Blacklight Burn solo record stuff. And he's like, that was inspiring to me watching him do all that stuff. And so that's why I wanted to try it on my own. I thought, can I do that? And I think that might be the other reason is that he kind of saw what he could do, the limitations and the advantages of doing your own record. And, you know, I mean, the thing is also is that he points out that like Corn is still his band, you know. He, and so it's that's the thing that he'll always have. Um, so I uh, I thought this was an interesting take. It's definitely way hookier than I expected. I mean, based on the album art, which is I mean we didn't get too much into beyond this this really great painting that Wes has done, but it looks very distressed. But it also looks looks very arty. I did not go into this record thinking there was going to be any anthemic hooks, and we got a lot here. So this is actually a way more accessible record than I ever anticipated. But ultimately, I would say ego but a good ego. Matt? I really think that's fair, Lauren. Uh, it is very difficult to have a solo record and it not be ego. It's even more difficult to cross into the essential standpoint. I feel that listening to the record on a whole is something that, or hearing at least the what we heard today, I have an overarching feeling that he may have gotten too many notes. Um, and those notes led him more towards safety and familiarity i still think that he got things out in the record that he was able to get out but like that those last two tracks if if there were like two other tracks on this record that explored those themes more and incorporated the singer and just were incorporated in different ways i would feel like the record would have had fresher legs i I think that it's fairly well explored territory that he was in none of it's bad this is not like all in all i really like the record none of this is bad it just is why in you know why we're really not talking about fear in the nervous system in 2021 on the macro is because it didn't shake people enough to be like this is the fucking record and why is that? I, th- I just think that probably over the course of the years that it took to get the record out, it might have gotten a little overnoted. It gotten got a little too played it safe. 
a little more variety in this, and I think this is a cult classic. Uh, but as it stands right now, I, I agree with you, Lauren. It's ego, but from a good place. I think I think all in all, the monkey brand has not been impacted negatively at all by this record. And that's an amazing thing. I mean, monkey wins. Good job. There you have it. And that does bring us to the end of both Side Project Summer and also this episode. <laughs> Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow, I know, right? <laughs> two two for one. Two for one, right? Um, I hope you enjoyed Side Project Summer. I think I think we gotta do I mean, I know we still got some side project I think we have to do another side project summer next summer, you guys. I think oh, that just for makes sure. Sense. For I'm sure. In. I think it's just an annual thing. I just gotta do it. Um as we sign off, any final thoughts on Side Project Summer? Summer went by too fast, baby. I agree. Summer went by too fast. Love a side project. Love a side project. Can I get one more before we close out the summer, you guys? Can I get one more? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. There you have it, you guys. Yeah, brother. Yeah. All right. And that does bring us to the end of another episode of Roach Coach. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're Roach Coach and all those. Send us an email. Roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Until I